0: I'm not going to to Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Witchy Ways Podcast. This is Jacqueline Freeman. So glad that you are here really, really grateful. Um, so I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and, um, why I've started this podcast. Why I didn't just stay with kitchen table alchemy podcast, um, that I started with my friend, Sarah Korn. Um, that really felt like our baby and it was just not moving when Sarah decided that she wanted to focus more on, um, on writing her book, which she's doing great job with. Um, and I realized that I needed to do something for myself. Um, and then, plus, and also, uh, I saw the movie Get Out. And so now, I can't, like, there was a teacup stirring sound between tracks on <laughs> on Kitchen Table Alchemy. And it's just not appropriate anymore. So, um, so I figured, you know what, let's just start anew. And um, today... I am, uh, recording in Austin, Texas, even though I'm from Phoenix, um, because I have started a four month long van tour of the States that I'm calling my Ancestral Borderlands Truth and Reconciliation Tour. So where this tour actually started might be a good place to, um, kind of introduce myself since this is all like launching out together and there's so many different ways to weave a tale, right? So I've spent some time thinking about how to start this. And, um, I think a good place to start is, um, many, many moons ago, uh, when I was living in the Netherlands, I had a guy tell me that I was a witch. And, um, it really kind of shocked me. And even though I've, you know, um, as long as I can remember, I mean, I was raised in this, uh, you know, fundamentalist evangelical, sort of Southern Baptist uh, environment. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and had seen uh, pretty early on, I think, for myself, um, like early late teens, early 20s, or whatever, um, just how tied up these ideas of what we thought a witch was were with these misogynies in in our culture. And so, I had taught my son that this sort of like Halloween idea of a witch is like a cartoon character and basically a propaganda tool. Like this is something that I had always taught him. But even that aside, it kind of shocked me when this guy said this. And uh, I was like, what what do you mean? And he's like, well, it's a hereditary thing. Like uh, it's not like necessarily a practice thing. It's a hereditary thing. And uh, do you have any witches in your family? I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I come from a very long line of like intensely oppressed religious people. Thank you very much. Pretty, There's no witches back there. And he was like, well, actually, um, people will become uh, really like really dive into religiosity as a way to sort of push down their spiritual gifts, actually. Um, I was like, huh. I was like, so did you have any people in your family that dressed up? as witches for Halloween, ever? I was like, ever? Oh, I I have, like, multiple people in my family that dressed up as witches every Halloween. (laughs) So he's like, yeah, you're a witch. (laughs) Um, So that was really interesting, right? I kind of didn't know what to do with it. Um, And it was one of those things that just kind of stuck in there, right? It was one of those... There's lots of things that I forget, but that was not one of them. And um, so... At another point, I had someone um, because I, I went through this really I mean I had struggled with depression all, all of my life, but um and it had even struggled with suicidal depression. And at the end of my time in Holland, uh I went through a suicidal depression that that really almost killed me. Uh it was really the deepest and darkest and I think I'd ever gone. And I, I remember the day that I decided to live. Um that was the place that, that it went to. Right. Um, but in that very slow um, climbing my way back up to the surface from that experience. Um, so I decided to live, but you know, it was, it was, it was a tenuous hold. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's many of you listening that, that know exactly the place I'm talking about. And, and in that space um, there was this tree in uh, the park down from where I lived. And um, she was a willow tree. And uh, she had these big burls, like all over these huge burls all over her. It was like these boobies and butts just kind of like all over her trunk, you know. So I called her the mommy tree. And I would like snuggle in there and I would like twist her, her little willow hair around my finger and um, she would just take all of my pain away. Um, it was like a little vacuum cleaner or something. And um, I was in the space of like vanity, vanity. it's all vanity. And uh, I had moved so many places and reinvented myself in so many different ways. And you know, uh, here I was in the same place still. Um, and and it was really hard to hang on. And she showed me all the different things she'd seen standing in this one place for the 300 years or so she'd been there. Um, And so it was my first lesson on grounding, you know, uh, which was really important. Grounding and boundaries, life changers. They're amazing. Um, But it was really my first lesson on grounding, on on getting rooted into a place um, and coming from an abusive background. Like being rooted in a place was not a safe thing. So that was something that I had, you know, I always needed to know how to get out. Um, so, so that was a really big turning point for me. I'm, I will always be grateful to her uh, for, for being with me in that space. And I remember telling someone, um, and you know, Dutch people as, as a whole, generally speaking, um, are, are not really open to the idea of of you telling them that you have a tree as a best friend. (laughs) It is is something that is met with a lot of side eye. And, um, but there was one guy that I had told that was like, well, you know, if you form a special relationship with a tree, then uh, those kinds of trees, no matter where you are in the world, are going to know who you are. And they'll also recognize your family. And I was like, really? How, How do they do that? And he was like, yeah i'm not really sure but you know that's how it works and maybe he knew more and just saw that i was not in a place to be able to hear that um but again it was one of those things i forget a lot of things but that was one of the things i did not forget um and here i am some 15 18 years later and i'm starting to really understand um that that like willows are a family and ashes are a family and and birches are a family and they know each other and that we can have these special relationships with them. Right. So I've really been sort of, um, I've gone on this, uh, kind of Mr. Toad's wild ride (laughs) from that point to this. I, I, uh, you know, in the mean between those experiences and where I am now, um, I had converted to Islam, practiced Islam for six years wore the hijab for three of them. Um, very grateful for my time in the House of Islam. Very grateful to the hijab. Taught me physical boundaries. Uh, it was very, very healing for me. Um, and as a you know sexual abuse survivor, that was not something I had any idea about. So um, the hijab was a really great way for me to uh, be really, really feminine and still um, draw that boundary, right, of avoiding the male gaze. I didn't really know how to do that before I was introduced to the job so I did that left that um, have done a lot of sort of seeking in between um, identified myself as a freelance monotheist uh, for a long time then then started saying that I was a freelance monotheist who uh, appreciated the way that pagans approached things Um, and that's migrating again (laughs) So um I've had an um ancestral practice for a couple of years now and uh you know just um I have an ancestor altar um in the entryway of my home and uh would just kind of leave offerings there I uh when I would meditate and do shamanic journeys I would um sometimes go into the ancestral cave, sometimes go through the cave into the ancestral plane, like there would be work that I did there. But I, um, you know, I'm just kind of going along with my guides, uh, utilizing the things I've learned about, like, boundaries and grounding and things like this to keep myself safe and um, exercise agency and stuff like this. And um, I got to a place where uh, I realized um, that I needed to be working with that uh, on a more intensive level. Um, have done a lot of deep work with the story of Baba Yaga and Vasilisa. It's a Russian folktale. And um, Baba Yaga's house, for those of you that don't know much about Baba Yaga, and that's Y-A-G-A, B-A-B-A-Y-A-G-A. Um, she lives deep in the woods. and. Um, she gets around in a mortar and pestle, right? So it's like the, the mortar is her boat and the pestle is her oar kind of thing. Uh, lives deep in the forest and her house is on chicken legs and dances around. And the gate uh, around the fence and the gate around the house are made up of bones. And at night, the, when the sun goes down, the skulls light up. And so her house is in, it's as, as if in broad daylight, even in the middle of the night. And um, through the work of uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes and women who dance with the wolves, or women who run with the wolves, they probably dance with them too, um, women who run with the wolves, uh, she talks about that being representation of, um, of the ancestors, that these bones are representation of the ancestors. And uh, so I've been working with that story for a couple of years now. I created a curriculum around it, and um, and in the process of working with the story, uh, have you know kind of walked through each of the characters and lived in their skin for a little while and found them inside of me, and um, and see what the lessons and and the shadows and the warnings are for each of them. And when I first started working with the story, like Bobby ga really scared me. I mean, really scared me. Um, And it, you know, eventually got to the place where I I could face her, much as Vasilisa does in the story. Um, And then got to where uh, I could stand next to her and be okay. Um, And uh, and now I'm in a space where, um, you know, I approach her from time to time and ask questions very carefully. Very measured. Uh she's not she, she's not very patient, uh wouldn't really put kind as top of the list of her characteristic list, you know. So you, you you uh know who you're talking to <laughs> when you talk to the Baba. But um but I've really shifted my idea about how we see her and these characterizations that we have of witches in general and um I did a presentation last year at a conference on, on goddess spirituality at CIIS in San Francisco on Baba Iga as a shaman. And, um, you know, some of these like tropes about witches, like pushing children into um, ovens and things like this, like as, as female shamans or, or healers, right? Uh, a huge part of their role in the community would have been of midwives. And if you're going to take midwifery from a shamanistic point of view, then it makes complete sense, right, that you're going to have rituals that you do to call the child, the, the soul of the child, into the mother's womb so that the pregnancy is is, is healthy and vibrant and that it attaches and, um, you know, these kinds of things. And so, um, uh, I mean, we still talk about women having a bun in the oven when they're pregnant. Right. So, so uh, in the, you know, uh, like a couple millennia long propaganda wars that have been waged against um, women and women's healing and women's wisdom um, and, and and women's understanding of things, right. This has been like twisted and demonized into women pushing like living children into an oven to eat them. Um, and you know, I, I, I could do a whole show on this and I, maybe I will, uh, but it's, it's these kinds of things, right. Just sort of like over the past couple of years, been like unraveling, um, these different ways that I have been colonized, um, and accepted these, these, these ideas of what a witch is and, and this kind of stuff and start unraveling that a little bit and really understanding that, um. Characters like Bobby Iga, who is, is in many ways a quintessential witch, there there is a deep connection to the ancestors. there There's a deep connection to uh, uh, a world that is not formed by human hands, right? because we humans are also part of nature. It is not something separate from us. Um, beavers make homes humans make homes you know like uh the things that we make are not unnatural um but they are you know if we if we get in the wilder world the the part of the world that is unformed by human hands like this is where she lives right so the forest and and tales and stories represents the unconscious the subconscious this is where she lives right this is her space um that getting around in the mortar and pestle and that connection to like herbalism and healing, um, you know, these are all the aspects of, of the witch, of the wise woman. And um, just been really like sort of unraveling that uh, intellectually and then taking the very long walk between the head and the heart um, to start unraveling that in my body, in my practice and my life and the way that I see myself and the way that I see the world. And, um, and then it got to the space where I uh, knew that I needed to do some more, you know, through that work with Bobby Guy, I I, um, started doing more ancestral work and got to the place where I wanted to do something a little bit more structured um, with someone that uh, had an established practice instead of just kind of winging everything on my own and um, with the help of my guides, of course. And, um, so I started a class with Daniel Four F-O-O-R, and uh last fall, which has been amazingly powerful, uh absolutely recommend his book, his classes. Um uh next weekend I will be going to an ancestral intensive uh here in the States. So um, and that's been the spark for this trip that I'm going on. But um so I, I started doing that work, right? So this is a, a process of ancestral reparations work and uh you know you start on the four major lines the the mother's mother the mother's father the father's mother and the father's father um so i've started i've started that work in a, in a structured way which has really been like unlocking um all kinds of things and um doing research along with that so max dashaus uh Witches and Pagans, uh, Women in European Folk History, is also a really fantastic book. Um, And she, uh, you know, does things like go through penitences that were written in in like 900s, 1100s, that really address, um, you know, you can tell what the practices were, by doing things like looking at penitences or legal codes because the the things you're telling people not to do are the things that they're doing, right? You you don't have to tell people to like you don't have to tell people over and over again not to stick their finger in a lock set, in a light socket. Right? Um, they, they they do it once and they don't do it anymore. So you don't need to talk about it, but uh if you have to like create multiple laws against something, um then that lets us know that this is something that people were doing, right? So um, examining those kinds of spaces gives us a window into what the practices were. So that's been sort of like the the, the research paper paper based research that I've been doing around some of these lines. And um, I felt uh, a calling okay. to um, I felt a calling to to take this trip. Right. So I wanted to do one of the ancestral intensives. Um, and then, um, there is a woman, a Wabanaki woman that has been called to do a series of rituals to heal Turtle Island and open the Eastern gate. Um, so, uh, I'll be attending that in Maine. So, you know, from, uh, Atlanta to, (laughs) to Maine was the first leg of this trip. Right. And then, um, and what I felt called to do was to visit, um, like, like to really stand and face, like let my feet listen to what the earth has to say in these places. Um, and that's one of the gifts I think that's been transferred down my line. And it was one of those things that like, when I was younger, I just thought I was like, everyone else thought I was being just really sort of overdramatic and whatever. Um, and, I, and I guess I like kind of believed them or agreed with them. Um, you know, like before I left Memphis to, to go to Holland, I, uh, got to this place where I just, I, f- I could hear the blood in the soil when I was walking and it became absolutely intolerable for me. And I really needed to be in a place where my very presence was not in affront, and, um, and I, my bones were aching to go to Europe. And I was a recently divorced single mom in school. Um, and I got an opportunity to study abroad. I was like, how am I going to do this? And and then I get this letter from the international education office. And so, um, so, uh, so I went abroad and, um, I, I got sent to Holland. It was not the first uh, the first choice, I think the place I got sent was like the absolute last choice on my list of places where I wanted to go, but that's where I got sent. And it was a time in my life when, um, I was telling everyone around me, like you, you got to bloom where you're planted, right? Trees without roots don't bear fruit. Um, and the universe has this way of keeping me honest and making me follow my own advice. And so, um, uh, so I do believe that there's some ancestry from Holland cause I got there and I looked like everyone and my son looked like everyone and people were like shocked when I spoke Dutch with an accent. And, um, so there's definitely something coming from there, but, um, uh, so that was one of the experiences, you know, where I like heard the land. And then a few years ago, um, I was house sitting for a friend, uh, in the Netherlands and I was there in June and um went over to England and went to Stonehenge for solstice. And uh I lived in Brighton for like 10 months. And so I thought I knew England, right? Um but I liked Brighton. Um it's a very cathartic kind of place. So if you need to burn a stack of, of, of uh, journals on a beach somewhere, like Brighton is a great place to do it. Highly recommended, comes highly recommended. Um <laughs> But, uh, and I really did not like London. So I, I, again, I had one of those moments of, um, I didn't want to go anywhere. There were these huge oak trees in the yard of someplace just off the Thames. And I like climbed up in this oak tree and that's where I stayed the whole day. I just kept looking around. It was like, all of this was built with blood. All of the bricks are oozing with blood. I hate this place. Right. So, Um, So I I saw this huge tree and climbed up in it, and that is where I stayed while my friends went and did stuff. Um, So, you know, I thought, yeah, I've I've spent some time in England. Like, I have a pretty good grasp on what's there. Um, But Eastern England is very different from Western England or uh, the British Isles or the UK. Um, So going to Stonehenge, Um, I was like mid-sentence, mid-word as my friend and I were barreling down the, the highway and we crested the hill and I saw the stones and immediately choked up and started just bawling. I mean, tears gushing out of my eyes, down my cheeks. Um, and I mean, really just this feeling of oh my God, That's there they are, right? And this this feeling of home of... And my friend was like, okay, obviously we're doing the touristy thing today. So we swung in to see it um, with the ropes still up because during solstice, they take the ropes down so you can actually be in the stones. Um, <clears throat> and the next day we went to Glastonbury tour and standing on the hill there... As I was climbing the hill, I realized that the tree that was my first shaman portal used to be on that hill. And when I had that awareness, like the land told me, oh yes, yes, that tree was real. It used to be here. There were trees like that all over until they cut them down to build their cathedrals. And standing at the top of that hill, looking over the, the countryside, um, the land was showing me like all these things that had happened there. You know, I saw villages burning, and um, I felt this immense amount of grief and loss from the people that had been there before the Romans came, before others invaders came, and the things that were, that were taken from them Um, and, uh, so it, it really, um, those experiences helped me understand that, uh, I wasn't being overdramatic and I didn't make these things up, um, that the land talks to me if I'll listen. So... Um, so now I'm really stepping out in that instead of it just being these sort of like spontaneous moments that just happen. Um, this trip that I'm getting ready to start or that I'm on, I guess I'm not, I'm not fixing to get ready. Like I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually doing it. Um, I, this trip I'm getting, I'm getting ready. This trip I'm on now is, is to go, you know, walk on these spaces and listen to the earth with my feet And I feel it's really, really important um, to listen to her and what she has to say and to recognize um, the personhood of, of the earth, of the trees, of the animal. I mean, there's so many, so many people that are not human, right? The other than human people. Um, so this podcast is really going to be about those experiences um, and that that reconnection with the earth, that reconnection um, with the body, which is something that my work has been about for quite a while. Really, you know, in the fundamentalist evangelical upbringing that I had, I was taught that the body was corrupt and would lead you astray and that the earth was a punishment and um you know just all these messages to really disconnect us from our greatest allies here and um so i've been working for a while personally and 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 professionally to um to rekindle those relationships to see our body as as our best friend um to rekindle that relationship with the earth and the other than humans that that are on it other than human people that are on it. And, um, so this, this trip and this podcast are, um, me kind of coming out of the broom closet, if you will, (laughs) um, and going on this journey that I hope you'll want to go on with me and, um, We'll be doing interviews with people, um, that I'm meeting along the way. Once I get home, same kind of thing. Um, but just really, uh, beginning this trip as I think it is important to do with, uh, and especially in these times, uh, yesterday was June 19th or Juneteenth, um, which is the day that, um, the slaves were emancipated. Um, it is not a day that we typically honor or recognize in this country. And I would love to see that change. Um, so I, uh, I think the timing is right. Um, it's not exactly how I, I didn't plan it to start on June 19th. Right. Um, that's, I, I needed to leave to get to a place by a certain time. <laughs> and so, um, So June 19th is beginning. This year is the 400th anniversary of the first slave ship coming into Jamestown Port in Virginia. Um, So I I think it's really important if we're going to rekindle um, these relationships, if we're gonna build that connection with our bodies, if we're gonna move our intuition into a space where she doesn't have to bring in a five binder report to prove why she's right. We just listened to her the first time. Um, If we're gonna be in harmony with the world around us and integrity in our lives, then it's really important to face these uh, really difficult parts of our personal and um, collective history. So, so that's how this journey will begin. And um, I'm sure I'm gonna have all the feels and uh, I will do my very best to uh, be authentic and real and honest and open about that. And um, and yeah, like just rekindle that relationship with Earth. I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not real like a, I'm not a spell casting kind of witch, um, I think about it sometimes. I gather things for it sometimes. And then I come to this place where I'm like, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what the edges of this look like, right? This could be way bigger than my field of perception. And um, maybe I don't need to be sticking my fingers in it. Maybe it's all working the way it's supposed to. Um, I will hold things in intention. I will hold space for things. Um I will pray and direct energy to help and heal. Um so so that's why I'm kind of witchy, <laughs> witch-ish. Um and uh and for me this is really about uh rekindling the old ways of of connection um of of, of connection and relationship. As opposed to uh, the colonizers' ways of uh, alienation and exploitation. So, um, so that's a little about me. I don't know how much uh, that tells you, or if that's interesting, or uh, if this is a good introduction <laughs> or not. But that's <laughs> that's 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 a little bit about me. So, um, uh, the next podcast is. Um, was recorded in the Redwoods when we took the, uh, we took a trial trip before this one. I I built out my mother-in-law's minivan, so it's a removable build, um, and, uh, when this call came for me to take this trip, I was like, how am I supposed to do this? But, you know, it was a bone, it was a call from the bones, and, and, and I've gone through that a couple of times and I've come to learn and understand that they will have what they want. And so rather than fight it and freak out about it, I just started investigating options. Um, and in that process of investigating, okay, how am I going to maintain like a three to four month trip? Um, you know, then uh, things started showing up to the surface and uh, an amazing gift was... Um, being able to use my, my mother-in-law's minivan for this. Um, and, uh, Mike Blair did the intro and outro to the podcast. So, uh, really Mike Blair of Glenwood Crow. Uh, check him out. It's amazing music. So he did the, uh, the intro and outro for the show. So really grateful to Mike and, um, Larry Gust helped us, uh, fix, some of the things that went wrong with the build. Um, so, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. In the Arizona heat in the driveway, um, working all day long to get things set up. So um, there have been so many people along the way that have um, contributed to the, to the start of this and that I know will contribute as we go on. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, my son got me a small recorder um, so I'll be able to, like, sort of record things in the field, as it were, um, hopefully be able to do some sort of spontaneous interviews with people, really interested in talking to people that um, are rekindling relationship and connection, that are building community, um, that are looking to decolonize themselves, their minds, their hearts, and and working in their communities to, to help people really embrace um, that divinity within and kind of shuck off this uh uh these this over culture way that we've we've been kind of pushed into so um so that's going to be one of the things that I'll be doing on the show as well and um probably doing some book reviews and um maybe read a little poetry here and there it'll kind of be a mishmash kind of like this one so um but uh, next podcast is about a, was recorded in the Redwoods, so I think you'll really enjoy that. Um, got some beautiful lessons from the trees there. And uh, if there's something you'd like to hear me talk about or I would like to do an interview with or think someone I should interview or a book I should check out and talk about, um, please let me know. So... Um, uh website is www.mywitchyways.com and that's W Y T C H Y W A Y S. Um I will likely be putting up an Instagram. I've been kind of running away from social media lately, but uh uh I'll probably put that up today so we can look up Witchy Ways or my Witchy Ways for that. And um, I also have a Patreon page. So, um, again, patreon.com slash witchyways, W-Y-T-C-H-Y-W-A-Y-S. Um, so stay connected, and, um, yeah, I'll uh, talk to you later. Have a beautiful, blessed be. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And i uh, got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.